Well, it's good to be back today. I'm thankful for Caleb and the team uh, last Sunday. Uh, my wife Angie and I were up in Rome, Georgia. I'd never been to Rome. Come to find out there's no straight road that leads into Rome, Georgia. You got to go around your elbow to get to your back to get into that place. But, but we got up to Berry College, went to Windshape, and it was amazing to be up at that retreat. And so had a few weeks uh, coming back, excited about today. We're starting a brand new series called Be Last. Be Last, and you know, that's not the kind of title you want to have if you want to really draw a crowd is to tell people to be last. It's, I mean, if you were looking for a campaign slogan or something to try to draw attention to people, just say, be last. And boy, that should get everybody fired up, right? Well, I'm gonna give you some great insight today from God's word on what it says about this very important topic. Have you ever heard of uh, the greatest of all times? I want us to put that up. It's called the kind of the goat. Uh, I, I didn't know this till I Googled it and searched it, but it's goat, greatest of all time. Okay? And so I want to kind of give y'all a quiz and get you to participate during this part uh, of the talk today, but I, I'm going to put a category up there and I want you to kind of respond out loud verbally and some of y'all don't want to talk in church that's okay but you but I for those that want to then you just speak out when I bring this one up in this category and you tell me who you think is the greatest of all time first one is who is the who do you think is the greatest race car driver of all time her Dale Earnhardt Bill Elliott, Andretti, Petty, Richard Petty, who else? That about sums it up. Nobody said, you know, nobody said a few other, the, the current guys out there racing, okay? But in honor, I think the Atlanta's got a little race going on down there today, don't they? I think they do. Daytona had one last week. One old boy gave out a gas right before the end there and kind of gave it up. But you know, people think, and you got different opinions, uh, who is the greatest race car driver of all time? All right, give, let me give you the next one. Football player. Who's the greatest football player of all time? Herschel Walker. That's a dog fan right there. That's a dog fan. Bo Jackson. Oh, that's an Auburn fan right there. Who else? Joe Namath. Somebody, that's a throwback right there, way back to the early Super Bowls. Some would argue that, uh, I used to, would argue that Tom Brady, because he just won his fifth Super Bowl, and we all know as Falcons fans just what happened just a few weeks ago, don't we? But I'm telling you, the Falcons uh, ended up, hey, Tom, the Patriots would not have won that game if they had not had Tom Brady over there on that other team, okay? But he is a difference maker, and he, he took them there. All right, what about basketball player? Jordan. Michael Jordan. Anybody else? Who? Magic Johnson. LeBron James. Well, that, see, that's coming from the younger generation right there. Larry Bird. Anybody ever heard of Pistol Pete Maravich? He was a pretty good basketball player. 
Some would argue, what about this guy? Nobody's mentioned Bill Russell. Because they go, well, he wasn't that great. Well, he, do you know Bill Russell played for the Celtics and he played 13 years and they won 11 NBA titles with him as the center? I'd say that's pretty good, wouldn't you? Win 11 out of 13 NBA titles. That was, but I, I, I'd agree whoever said Michael Jordan, I believe, I played basketball. Basketball is my passion. I grew up when my granny lived next to the gym, okay? So every day after school from the fourth grade through the 12th grade, I was in the gym playing basketball. And I will have to say that Michael Jordan is probably the best I've ever seen. And some argued when I pulled it up that Michael Jordan is the best athlete of all time. They put him at number one, by the way. All right? What about baseball player? Who's the greatest? Nobody cares? Babe Ruth. Wow, man, that's, yeah, Babe Ruth. Hank Aaron. Joe DiMaggio. Okay, he's a great player. Chipper Jones. All right. That's a Braves fan. Mickey Mantle. That's, there's a lot of good players out there. Okay, up for debate right there. What about the greatest golfer? Who? Jack. He just said Jack. We're talking Jack Nicklaus. The Golden Bear won 18 majors in his time. Okay, who else? Luke Peavy is what someone said. <laughs> He's not here today. In fact, he, he did qualify for the Truett, uh, our little drummer guy. He qualified for the Truett uh, golf team. So he's six for six on qualifying as a freshman. So he's gone to North Carolina to play today. Tiger Woods, anybody ever think he's a great one? He's a, he is an awesome golfer. Probably one of the best I've ever seen, but I would have to give it up to Jack. I think 18 majors says it all. And then finally, who is the greatest country music artist of all time? Hank Williams. Are you talking senior or junior? <laughs> Are you talking? What? George Strait. They call me the fireman. <laughs> Who else? Johnny Cash. Nobody's mentioned a woman yet. Oh, you said Reba McIntyre. All right, Reba. And then, hey, Loretta Lynn. Some people are Dolly Parton, you know. She's pretty famous, but you got those country music artists. Here's the deal. When you go to thinking about the greatest of all time, everybody wants to think of all these famous names that we just threw out. But what I want to do is I want to, if I really want to find out what is the greatest thing that I can do in my lifetime, I want to hear it from the greatest who ever lived. And you know who that is? We've been singing about him this morning, a hint. His name is Jesus. So if I want to find out who the greatest of all time is, I want to go to the Bible and hear what Jesus has to say about who is the greatest. And speaking, and, and let's, let me go ahead and clarify how great uh, Jesus is. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. I want to give you a little Old Testament peep and a little peek into uh, how great Jesus is. Because Isaiah got a glimpse of him. He had a vision. It says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord 
sitting on a, a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. So Isaiah catches this vision of the Lord sitting on a throne, and it's, it's a high throne. It's a, it, it, it's a high throne, and boy, and it's full of glory. And the train of Jesus' robe is filling the temple. And check this out. Seraphim. Now, seraphim, you, you're going, what is that? Seraphim. That's angel. And these are not just your regular angels, okay? These are angels that have six wings. And so they're kind of special angels, all right? They have two wings that cover their face. And those, the reason they do that is it's out of humility because of whose presence they're in, in the glory of Jesus. And then they have two wings that cover their feet. And that's out of respect for who he is. And then they have two wings with which they fly with. And check this out. Listen to what they say all the time. They, they say to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Man, now that's describing greatness. And that is what is going on 365, 24-7 when it comes to Jesus. You know, and I, I got to thinking about that. These seraphim are doing that all the time. They're declaring the greatness of who Jesus is. In fact, if you were to be a reporter and were to go up, excuse me, uh, seraphim, could, do you have a moment to come over here and give me, uh, tell me a little bit about who this Jesus is and how great he is? And that angel would say, I don't have time. I don't have time because I cannot stop. I cannot stop telling you how great and how glorious Jesus is. Because they're saying, holy, holy, holy is this Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. Now, you know, we go through our days and we go through our times and we have some up and down moments. But remember this, no matter what's going on throughout every day, 24-7, 365, these angels, seraphim, are doing this continuously, declaring the glory of Jesus. Now listen, if he's that great, I want to hear what he has to say about greatness. Amen? You with me? Don't you want to hear what he says? I do. There is no doubt about it. So if you have your Bible, you know, turn with me over into Mark chapter 9, and we're going to see what his greatness has to do with it. And you know, it's almost like you remember when the Falcons were playing there and they were playing against the Packers and they won that game to get to the Super Bowl. Mark, Matt Ryan's quarterback and the fans were shouting MVP, MVP, MVP. And they didn't do it the whole game, but while they were doing that because Matt Ryan was the quarterback being the MVP for the Falcons and for the NFL this season. But here's the cool thing, church. And here's the great thing. These seraphim 24-7, 365 are saying about Jesus, MVP, MVP. He is the greatest of all time. It's just going on, MVP, all the time when it comes to him. And so we get to this text, and it's kind of an interesting text, but I want you to see it in, in Mark chapter 9, in verse, picking up in verse 33. They came to Capernaum, and who? This is Jesus and his disciples. And when he was in the house, he began to question them. 
And he said this, he said this to him, what were you discussing on the way? See, Jesus had already uh, told them how he was going to die and what was about to happen, and they didn't understand. And so, as they were walking to Capernaum, and they came into that town, he, he just questioned them. Hey, guys, what were y'all talking about? What were y'all discussing on the way? He knew. But he wanted them to come clean. And guess what? Guess what they were talking they were discussing it. Says, it says they kept silent. They, they were busted. They didn't say a word. They kept silent. It says right here, For on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. Imagine that. Jesus had just told them about how he's going to have to suffer and die, go to the cross, and they didn't understand it. But here he was on that journey, and in the meantime, they're talking among each other. Hey, who's the greatest? Who do you think is the greatest of us, one of, our, of us 12? There's another spot in the scripture that doesn't make it any easier for them because James and John had their mama come to Jesus and ask a question and said, Lord, let my both boys sit on your right and your left side in heaven. <laughs> and he said, listen, that is not up to me to give. That's up to my father. And can you imagine how the other disciples must have felt? Well, hey, James and and John's mother's over here asking for special privileges for the boy. And here they are fussing and, and arguing along the journey, who is the greatest? Have you ever heard people, have you ever done that? Have you argued among yourselves? Well, I'm the favorite. I'm the favorite one in the family. Oh, I know I'm the favorite. There's no doubt. Or I'm not the favorite, and they always are favoring that one over there, and you don't like it. Are you the complainer? Or are you the one going, I'm the greatest? Muhammad Ali, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. The greatest of all was who? Muhammad Ali. Now, I remember it. See, I go back, a little throwback times there. But, but you know, who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? And, it, you know, and I got to thinking, this crossed my mind this morning, and that is, you know, there, we even do this in, in, in Christianity. Well, who's the greatest preacher? Well, who's, what's, what's the greatest church? Listen, the greatest church has signed a non-compete clause with all other churches, okay? We're in kingdom work. We're not competing with other churches. Don't matter how big or how little they are. If they're for Jesus Christ, then what? They're on the team. And he is the greatest of all the time, so we're going to just keep talking about who the greatest is and keep bragging on Jesus. And listen, it doesn't matter if that church over there is doing good. Great! If this church over here is doing not good, we need to pray for them, lift them up, bless them. But hey, we do it sometimes, even in Christianity. And it didn't take long. There they were on the road. And Jesus asked them the question, what were you talking about? Hmm. Who is the greatest among you? So Jesus models something right here. In Mark 9.35, if you want to circle, underline a, a verse, it's this. But sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. 
That's Jesus' definition of who's the greatest. If you want to be first, if you want to be great, then you got to be last. You got to be last. And that's why we have the series called Be Last. Because within every person, I heard on the sports channel this week, is the desire to be, uh, is the heart of a champion, is to be great. And, and whatever we do, we, we're to do it as to win. You're supposed to give your best effort in whatever you do. So it's not, this is no conflict there, okay? But when it comes to, if you really want to be the greatest in the kingdom, and, and that should be our goal and desire as Christians, then we have to learn to be last and servant of all. Boy. Now, that, that's almost like some tough medicine to swallow, isn't it? Some of you may or may not know when I say the name Jerry Clower. Some of you know who Jerry Clower is? So I'll say you some of you. Jerry Clower's a southerner who tells stories, and he always tells stories about his family and his funny stories. But I'll never forget uh, Jerry Clower was telling a story about with his family. And they were all around the table, and Mama had cooked some of that good old southern fried chicken. Amen. Oh, you, listen, when Mama or Grandma cooks that kind of chicken, that's, we're talking chicken on the bone. All right? Some, some of our kids don't know what chicken on the bone is. All right? Because they go, they, they Chick-fil-A and all these things, chicken nuggets and all these parts. But we had a little boy came to our house one day, and, and he was in our youth group, little Levi Keeling, uh, Matt and Amy Keeling's son, and he was there. And he told Miss Angie, he said, when they asked for food, he said, I want some of that chicken on the bone. And she said, what are you talking about? He said, that, that chicken that, that's whole, you know, that mom and my grandma cook and all that stuff. Well, Jerry tells a story about some chicken on the bone. And there, there they were, and he said, uh, the lights went out, and there was that chicken on, on the table. And Daddy prayed. And before Daddy could finished the prayer, Jerry went to squalling. Oh! You know what had happened? He had five forks on the back of his hand. And why did he have five forks on the back of his hand? Because before Daddy had finished the prayer with the lights out, he had reached in for the chicken in the middle of the table. And he went to squalling because all the others reached in too and stuck five forks in the back of his hand trying to get that one piece of chicken. Now, Here's the deal. Sometimes there can be pain in being first instead of being last. <laughs> All right? You know, famous last words of a redneck. Watch this. That's famous last words. Watch this. And boy, there they go. But here's the deal. It can be painful sometimes to be first. But most people want to get that first piece. We had a wild game dinner down there in, in South Georgia and I went to speak at my home church and I was talking to my mom and about all the people that would be there and the food and I said, well mom, I said, you, here's the deal. We always taught our people when we did our dinners, our servants and everything, that we were the last ones to go through the line. We let everybody else get the food first and, and if we would be last and my mama is almost 80 and she said, I'm getting at the front of that line. <laughs> and I said, mama! You, 
you should go last. She said, I ain't going last. I'm going to be at the front of that line. And you know, you can't convince your 80-year-old mama, all right? I'm just telling you, you pray for them, but you can't convince them at that point. But you just thank God for them and just say, okay, I just pray there's enough food. Well, there was plenty of food. I know one brother that said he gets his dessert and eats it first because he, want, he wants to make sure that he gets it because there might not be any left at the end of one of those dinners. But I can tell you this, how God works. This brother and several of these brothers in the room know it. But one year we prepared for 500 and 600 plus showed up. And I remember the brothers coming and saying, listen, we don't have enough food. But we said, if it comes to that, we won't eat. And the ones who had been cooking said, we won't eat. The ones who had been up all night said, we won't eat if it comes to that. And you know what? The greatest of all time, Jesus, he looked down and he saw those boys and ladies doing all that working and serving. And he said, listen, if y'all think y'all running out of food, I got another story for you. God came in and I had guys tell me, I don't know how it happened or what caused it to happen, but every man and woman that served that evening got plenty of food with extra to come. Amen. Now that gives glory. I, I, I witnessed that. I experienced that. And I saw that. God takes care of those who have the heart for being last. And I love, I love the commercial. It used to be on TV and I think it was Don Drysdale, and he'd go down into the baseball stadium, and he said, he'd sit there, and he said, well, if they ever turn this stadium around, I'll be sitting on the front row. You remember that? But he was sitting on the back row. And I know there's some of people that come into churches that like to be on the back row, okay? But Jesus says, if you want to be last, be first. And so he's, going to, he's teaching us a principle here. I'm going to give you a, a formula and I, because I like to teach formulas, I taught math, and here's the formula for greatness. Humility plus service equals greatness. Humility plus service equals greatness. If you have your Bible, you turn to Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to give you some verses here that back that up. Philippians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 3, Paul was telling them, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. There it is. With humility of mind. You've got to have the right kind of mindset and the right heart and the right motive. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And then verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, verse 7, taking the form of a what? Of a bondservant, a slave. Is how he did. He took the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, check it out, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
And for this reason that he did all of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, or those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, those verses are a message in and of themselves, and I, I don't have time to unpack all that. I wish I did today. But I gave you those verses to show you the keys to it. It's humility, the attitude, the heart, the motive. Jesus being, we're angels. The seraphim and angels are 24-7, 365, telling him, MVP, MVP, you are the greatest. You are the greatest. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty, who has made heaven and earth. The earth declares your glory over and over. And they were doing that, but he took, he said, time out. There's some people down here that have messed up and they need me. And what God does is God steps out off his throne and into our lives to make us and let us see what true greatness is all about. He humbled himself. Man, look, look at his birth. You would have thought, man, yeah, there was some angels singing out there in the, in, the, in the country that night, and the skies did light up. But he was born in a manger. I mean, they put him in a manger, in an inn, I mean, a stable outside of Bethlehem. Think about that. And look at the humility that he showed through life. And even as he went to the cross, who was he thinking about? Who was he thinking about when he went to the cross? Have you ever been at a, at a table, family gathering or something? Have you ever noticed if, you've, if there wasn't as much food there, have you ever noticed that the, that the mom always seems to make sure all the kids get something to eat? And if there's anything left over, she'll get that maybe that last piece of chicken. But if she don't get that last piece of chicken, she's going to make sure that those that she cares about have been fed. Now let me ask you, why do you think she does that? Why does, why does she become last? Why? You know why. Because she loves She's not thinking of herself. Her stomach, she, she cooked it all. You know, I've, I've been around the cooks. They nibble as they cook. I can tell you that. I know that. But she let them have it. That's exactly what Jesus has done for us. He's thinking of you. When he went to that cross... He was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. He knew how much I needed him to do it. He humbled himself. He showed us what true greatness is. is humility plus serving. And then he actually messed up his disciples in a, in a radical way by actually showing them, by kneeling down, and one day he actually washed their feet. And listen. The lowest of the lowest slaves were not even allowed to touch somebody's feet. But Jesus 
went to the lowest and stooped to the lowest level. You show me a man that won't stoop and I'll show you a prideful man. But do you know, those that stoop are the ones who Jesus goes, come here. <laughs> Let me lift you up. Let me pick you up. You know, I got a job one time at a church simply because somebody on the search team drove to the church I was pastoring and saw me picking up trash in the churchyard. That's all they needed to know. That's all they needed to know. If he was willing to stoop and pick up trash in the churchyard, then he's willing to serve. A guy, a pastor friend, uh, was brought on by this evangelist and he traveled with him. He traveled with him for a year. And this guy was a gifted communicator. He was a speaker. But this evangelist, the only thing he would ever allow him to do was, was to get up and give a one-minute introduction to him. But he had to do all the work of setting up and tearing down and all that good stuff as they got ready for the evangelistic meetings each evening. And finally, the, after a year, the, the evangelist said, well, son, how's it going with you? How are things working out? And he wanted to tell him, man, I thought I got on this tour with you to talk and, and speak and do all that. And the wise evangelist said, son, I knew you could speak. I just didn't know if you could serve. Hmm. He said that statement rocked his world. Rick Warren, the pastor out at California, before he finally hires a person on his staff, and he's got hundreds. He takes them to lunch, and he watches how they treat the waiter or the waitress. And how they treat the waiter or the waitress is the final factor on if they are hired or not. Wow. Because if they treat that servant that way, guess how they're going to treat servants in the church? that way. Boy, those are some good indicators, aren't they? But Jesus says, if you want to be, if you want to be great, and I know you do, be last and be servant of all. This past week, I had the privilege to go up to the windshape at Berry College for that retreat, and Martha Berry, the one that started Berry College, she was one of several children, and her daddy gave her 83 acres, but Martha Berry never married. She devoted her life to serving Jesus and serving people. And Martha Berry began to raise money for the school. And through time, she crossed the paths with some very influential people. Henry Ford was one of them and some others. But before Martha Berry finally finished, she had raised enough money to buy 30,000 acres up above Rome, Georgia. Continuous acres. It's the largest school in the world out of acreage. And then when she, she did that, and her motto, which is now her life motto, which is Berry College's motto, is this, and it's up on the board. Not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And you know, when we were up there, uh, Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy came in and they, 
took the vision that she had and, and turned it into wind shape up there. And it is holy ground is what it is. It's a life-changing experience. But they carry that same motto. is about serving others. Have you ever gone to Chick-fil-A? And, and of course you have. But what do I, they always say after you tell them thank you? They say, my pleasure. Why? They were trained that way. It's their pleasure to what? It's my pleasure to serve you. It's my pleasure. It's my joy. And I believe they got that line because they understood what Jesus had to say about true greatness. Greatness. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for the many. Well, this past Thursday, I went to uh, a teaching time with a bunch of pastors, and, and I came away with it from uh, some things from a church on how can we better serve our community. And boy, it was a timely thing because I was just, my mind was just racing as I heard all the different things to make a difference in our schools. Because listen, people, do you know how people move into communities? Three reasons. Uh, public safety, schools, and then affordable. And listen, I want, I want Gratis Church, and you want Gratis Church. We want to do everything we can to make our communities a safer place, a safer place to live. And listen, when people that have done bad and done wrong begin to get their hearts and lives right with God, guess what? It's going to make the community a better place. And listen, we all have messed up. We've all sinned. But our heart and our goal is to see others come to know him so that their lives, too, can make things better. And listen, and then we do get to bless Walker Park. And I was able to share that with those, that panel on Thursday night. But listen, we want to bless the other schools, too, because we want our schools to be better. Amen? We want to do whatever it can to step in to make a difference in our community. And we just want to reach out to the, to the hurting and, the, and those that nobody else wants to go to, like I said a few weeks ago. But when we do those things, we, not, might, we might not be able to do anything about the affordability, but we can do something about those other things. And so I was in, challenged this Thursday, but I was also encouraged because I told a brother before getting up here today, I said, you know, Gratis Church has done great things over these last several years, but... What if, if the church shut down today? Would the community care or would we have made a difference? And my heart and prayer is for you to join me in this journey to where the community would go, oh no. Don't tell me that that place is no longer going to be here because those people have served and loved our community like Jesus. Boy, that's my heart. And I hope you join me on this journey, journey as we move forward because that is what God is calling us to do. You want to be greatest? Be last. Get to the back of the line and watch God get to work. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the upside down.